on the mission. The mission. I encourage you to take some notes today. One of the things that God's been laying on our hearts as leadership, uh, as we talk and as we consider the church and what we're doing in 2018, one of the things that God's been laying on our heart is a real passion for getting outside the walls of Epicenter Church because the kingdom is really fun, but it's not really meant just for us. How many of you think there's some people in our world that could use an increase in their relationship with God, right? How many of you think there's some people that are bound with some chains and, and living in darkness that need the light, amen? And one of the things the, the Bible says very specifically, in fact, the New Testament is taught over and over and over, is we're the light of the world, right? That the light needs to move into the darkness, right? I don't know about you guys, but, but I love it when... Uh, it's, I'll take the dogs out for a walk at night, and I love it when it's, when it's dark. There's certain, you know, I love the nighttime, just the quietness, and of course this time of year you don't hear the bugs and all that stuff, but there's just a, a pristineness to it. But what I really love is when there's a full moon, right? So you're in the darkness, but you're like, hey, I can see everything. <laughs> I know where the dogs are going. I know where this is happening, right? And there's such a difference because sometimes you go out in the nighttime and there's that little sliver of moon, right? Or maybe it's cloudy and you're, you're looking and you can hardly see two feet in front of your face, right? And, I, and I, on those days, I'm like, man, the darkness is, is not any fun at all, right, in the nighttime. And, when, and, and yet when it's the big full moon and I can see everything, I think what a difference it makes when light comes into darkness, right? And I just really have a sense that God has been impressing on us some things that he wants to do to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of churches in the world. There's a lot of good things happening and, you know, uh, helping and, you know, just a lot of good things. But when it really comes right down to it, it's, it's about eternity. And it's about eternal souls having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. It's in Jesus Christ alone. It's not in going to church. It's not in having a nice, you know, thing going on with some friends. And all, You know, it's not about all those good things. It's about do you know Jesus Christ? Right, when we stand before our maker, when we stand before him at the end of this whole thing, the only thing that's going to matter is what did you do with Jesus Christ? And I want to stand before God and I want to have him, you know, we... You, you, some of you know the, the, the scripture where it talks about, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? I think that it would be really important for us to be able to stand before God and say, Lord, you know what? I took every opportunity I had to have people come to know you, right? I used my resources, my money, my time, my effort, all with an eternal perspective. And uh, we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks, but I wanted Charlotte to come real quick and just give us a, a testimony about sharing her faith and uh, having somebody come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you just share that real quick? Aaron, can we get this? Aaron. There we go. So Gia and I worked together. Um, before she got her new job. And for whatever reason, I mean, I look at my job like a mission field. Everybody needs Jesus. And, and in, in the darkness, I mean, who's going to shine? I am. One's the majority. 
So she was sitting up front, and I just got to talk to her. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to shut up about Jesus, that is. And so um, as we were just talking, um, God grew her leg out at work. But then there's times where God just literally um, tells you in your spirit that she was raised in church or somebody was raised in church and they walked away. And it's literally bringing them to a place of this amazing, beautiful love story and telling them why he came, not because they were a sinner, but because they have such value and such worth to the Father. And you just get to begin to pour into them who they are, um, not what they aren't, who they are. And um, you see from this girl here, little powerhouse, firehouse, which I love. Um, But it's just literally sharing the kingdom. It's sowing, because the kingdom is in seed form. It's sowing. Sowing and watering and planting. All right. Thank you. And, of course, uh, you know, Charlotte, uh, many of you know Charlotte, and I really believe that she has uh, a gifting in the area. Well, we're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks, but, like, how many of you know that it's not just up to people that have an evangelistic gift? But God actually says that we're to all go into the world and preach the gospel. Like there's there's a there's a there's there's appointments and and geos of the world that that we bump into all the time. That God actually has appointments for all of us, right? And then there's some others that have a, a bigger heart for it and more of a gift. And and I think Charlotte lands in that area. And then there's also the office of an evangelist. A part of the fivefold giftings, and we talked about that a little bit, and we'll get into that uh, in the weeks to come here. But this idea that God has a heart for people, amen? One of the opportunities we have this week even is to invite some people to this Danny Silk thing on Wednesday night. And one of the things he's great at is he's, <laughs> he talks a lot about healthy relationships. If you haven't tapped into some of his resources, like uh, the, he has a whole ministry called K- K-Y-L-O, Kylo, and it stands for keep your love on. And it's all about healthy relationships and how do we keep our love on with other people and, and treating them in a respectful and honoring way and, and loving, right? Just powerful stuff. And it, here's the cool thing about Danny. He's going to talk this Wednesday about healthy relationships, right? Now, who in your life do you know that could possibly use some help in the area of having more healthy relationships? Every single person you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's a great invite. And the other thing about Danny, if you haven't heard him speak, is he is hilarious. He is so funny, and he has such a way of engaging with people, and it uses a lot of humor. And so just a great opportunity to, if you haven't invited someone to our church before, this is a great chance. And so each of you in your, in your bulletin has an invite card with Danny's picture on it. We've got some different places around on the welcome desk and the front desk. And then, of course, we have stuff on Facebook and on our website and all that. So there's just a lot of opportunity to invite people. And we just want to encourage you to do that this, uh, this Wednesday. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, we're going to look a little bit this morning at the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Father towards lost things. The next three weeks in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells these parables and these stories about three different lost things and different scenarios in terms of all of them. The first one we're going to look at this morning is about a lost sheep, a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one of them 
gets, uh, gets confused and wanders off. And how the, the shepherd, how he responds to that. Next week, we're going to look at the lost coin and how a, a woman loses a, a coin of great value in her house and she does everything in her power to find that coin. And then lastly, we're going to look, in the third week, we're going to look at the, the parable of the, many of you know it as the prodigal son, but I call it the lost sons. There's two sons, and both of them are lost in the scenario. We're going to look at that on the third week. But it's interesting because in each one of those scenarios, each one of those cases, you find that the parable all include the same phrase as it comes to conclusion. Once the shepherd finds the lost sheep, there is radical and, and, and instantaneous rejoicing. When the woman finds the coin, there's great rejoicing, and she tells all her friends. When the son returns, the one prodigal son returns, there's great rejoicing, and they throw a blanket, a, a bank, a blanket. Anybody cold? <laughs> a banquet, and they have a great time of celebration. And it's so amazing because here's the thing. God wants people to come to him. And he has such joy when that happens. And we're going to look a little bit at that later on. I want to just tell you a little bit about Jesus, though. Jesus, and we're going to read this in the scenario. Jesus is, uh, did not come to earth and did not come to mankind just to tweak or modify anything. There was a religious system, there was, you know, prayers, and there were priests, and there were law, religious teachers, and all that stuff, and they had the whole churchy religious thing going on. Jesus didn't come to earth to tweak that system or to make it a little bit better and modify it. He was a revolutionary. Jesus came to this earth, and he, he basically took the whole old system and said, listen, we're done with that, and we're moving on to something completely radical and completely new, right? In, an, in a society that was focused and on adults, you know, as the most important people in society, children were, were nothing, right? They, they didn't have very much value at all. To a society where adults were everything and children were nothing, he flips the whole thing upside down, and what did he say? Unless you become like a little child, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. You can't get into the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine what that would have been like? You know, like here's something. Like children were like pets or something, like dogs and cats, like nothing, you know, really, of no real value. And yet God takes it and flips the whole thing upside down. And he did that in almost every scenario, didn't he? All of the situations. The least become the greatest and the greatest become the least. Even when he was born, you know, he's born in a stable and this poor thing. Not to the kings and palaces and the political people of the day, right? Works and, and rule-keeping and law-keeping were a big deal in the religious culture of that day. And yet Jesus shows up and says, listen, salvation is by faith in my grace. <laughs> you really can't do anything about it. In fact, if you try to earn it and work for it, it just becomes like a big pile of junk, <laughs> right? Flips the whole thing upside down. And so it's interesting as we pick up the story in Luke 15, 1. <laughs> I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And uh, again, if you haven't picked it up, I really encourage you to do that. The Passion Translation. It's actually on BibleGateway.com now. And it's all the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and Song of Solomon. Those are the books that he's done so far. encourage you to get that. But we'll be reading out of the Passion Translation today. And it says this in verse 1 of Luke 15. 
many dishonest tax collectors <laughs> and other notorious sinners. Say that with me. Notorious sinners. Bum, bum, bum. Just <laughs> sounds like it should be a soundtrack there, right? Notorious sinners. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, everybody say that with me, indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. <laughs> Talk about flipping the thing upside down, right? Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher, right? And in fact, even the religious people acknowledged that he had truth and he spoke differently. In fact, when people spoke about Jesus, they said, who is this guy? He speaks as one with authority. Like he knows what he's talking about. Have you ever heard someone uh, that's teaching or preaching and they say something and a nugget of truth just goes, and but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. Everybody say, lost. You know, I, 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 some of you know some things about sheep, and of course we've talked here and there about it in, in churches. You know, sheep don't have fangs. Sheep don't have claws. Right? Sheep aren't the smartest animal in even, the, even in the farmyard. You know what I'm saying? Like sheep, sheep are notoriously thick up top. They're, they have no defense, right? They're, they're influenced by the peers around them. You've heard stories of one sheep goes off a cliff. They all, they all go off the cliff, right? There's not one sheep going, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, nope. Off they go, right? And so, you know, if a sheep, especially in this society, that was a very agrarian and a lot of sheep and farmers, in this society, if a sheep uh, wandered off from the herd, there was, in Israel, you know, in this area, a lot of uh, carnivores, you know, wolves and coyotes and, and things that would love a nice fluffy meal. You know what I'm saying? And how many of you know that if there's a bunch of sheep, probably the wolves and all that is not too far away, right? <laughs> Wasn't it the wily e. coyote thing and the shepherd and all that stuff? And like always trying to get their way around the sheep to pull one away. And of course, if the shepherd's there with a hundred, he's got this big stick and he's, whoo, he's like ninja shepherd, you know. And if a, if a wolf comes, he gives him a whack and, and he learned, he's learned how to protect them and everything. But what happens if one of them wanders away and he can't even see it and it's not a part of the herd anymore? Well... That's a bit of a problem, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine the sheep wandering off? And uh, probably looks to get scared, confused. What he thought was there isn't there anymore. His brothers and sisters and all the, the gang that he was with. He's out. It's probably getting dark. Maybe he gets caught in some thickets or maybe there's some dirt or mud and all the things that the shepherd would have protected the sheep from is not, not there anymore. I was thinking about the lostness of mankind, right? Last week and various times we talked a little bit about 
the, the theory of evolution, right, in our society and how I think how destructive that theory is because it doesn't have anything within it that makes us special. We're just natural progression from frogs and salamanders and whatever else all the way up to where we are. And there's nothing special about it. So nature, producing nature, isn't really right, and it doesn't even feel right to us, because if, we, if, if it was, then we would feel natural, wouldn't we, in our own skin and in our own bodies. But how many of you know that, that there's, there's a certain lostness to all of us? You know, there's a certain sense of, of often, you know, there can be despair, or there can be confusion, or there can be, you know, uh, a sense of not even knowing what I'm doing on this planet. You know, have you ever gotten up in the morning and put your feet over the bed and you go, what am I doing again today? <laughs> right? There's pain in this world. There's insecurity. There's emptiness. There's struggle. You know, it's a weird world. We just exist in that sense, don't we? <laughs> Did any of you vote for your existence? Did any of you decide for your existence, Right? We just are here. Sometimes I, I'm very existential. I look around my world and I think, this is a little weird, right? Like all these human beings all moving around. We got cars that just move, you know. They're not pulled by anything, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, sometimes I look around at people and I think, you know, what are you doing here? And I imagine they're looking at me going, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? And I feel like in, basically in humanity, and of course we know it's because of the fall and because of sin in the world and the separation from God, there's a certain lostness in humanity, right? Sometimes it's, you know, we get the sense that it should be more significant than it really is, right? Sometimes we get the sense that it's kind of a disappointment. You know, so, some of you, or, no, I'm going to make sure I'm nice here, but some of us are in middle age, right? And sometimes you get to middle age, or even younger than that it can happen, but you get, <laughs> yes, middle age. And some a little older than middle age. But there can be a, a sense of sometimes you think, I really thought it would work out way cooler than it did. Right? Did you ever get that thought? Like, wow, did I miss something? Because now I'm 52 and I don't know what happened. And all my hair is, you know, gone. What I don't know what happened, you know. Like there's this, this sense, I think, that apart from Jesus, there's a real lostness to mankind, isn't there? There's a real lostness to people. And you, and, you know, sometimes you wonder, like, why do people make the decisions they do? I think it's because they feel lost. And I think it's even true in the church. I think that if people go to church but they don't really connect with Jesus, it almost makes it worse. Because I think sometimes in church you can, you can listen to all this great stuff and then walk out and not live it. It just feels very hypocritical, doesn't it? Like Martin Luther, the great reformer, used to say, he says, Christians don't speak their lies, they sing them. Like our worship songs, we can sing, how great is our God. And then you walk out the door and you're like, okay, i got to handle this all by myself. Right? See, that's just being lost. 
It is. It's being lost. I think that when we try to live our lives apart from the great shepherd, from the Father who loves us, it's going to be very discouraging. It's going to feel like something isn't quite right. But I'm going to encourage you today, that is not the path that God has for you. He doesn't want you lost. He wants you found. Amen? So we find this sheep has wandered off, and the lamb is in a, in a bad place. Who knows how long? Are they dirty? Is it injured? Is it bruised? Who knows what's happened? And so the shepherd, when he realizes the one sheep, the one lamb has wandered off and isn't a part of the 99. <laughs> this is the part of the story where we have to make sure that we don't go too far into the exact details. But I do want to just point on one thing. It says here, when the shepherd realizes this, he leaves the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. Number one, I want to just encourage you today, whatever stage of lostness you may be in, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've done the religious thing, but it's not really connecting for you, maybe you don't have any idea about what we're talking about, I want to tell you today, there's a God who loves you and is looking for you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're involved with, no matter how long you've either been in church or never been in church or any of those things, the shepherd is looking for you. He is. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. And it's a little bit scandalous as you read this verse. Because if I was writing this parable, you know what I'd say? I'd say the shepherd took the 99 lambs that he had and he took them back to the barn or whatever and he put them in a pen and made sure they were good and safe, and then he went out looking for the 99. But it doesn't say that. It says he leaves them in the open country. <laughs> and I don't get it, really. That seems like a risk to me. Does this seem like a risk to you? Like, that seems kind of scandalous. And, of course, again, remember why he's telling the story. He's speaking to the religious people. He's speaking to the rabbis and the Pharisees and all these guys. And I think what he's saying is, the one that's lost is more precious to me than a bunch of people who think they're okay. And I know it's a little scandalous, right? It's a little, a little risky. But he doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And I just want to encourage you too. When Jesus is flipping the kingdom upside down, a lot of stuff isn't going to make sense, isn't it? And so here's my, here's my challenge today. Quit trying to figure God out. Quit trying to make him fit our brains and our way of doing things. I think that's one of the reasons why God is so insistent in Scripture about the supernatural. Because the supernatural doesn't make sense. You know, in our world today, in North America and in Europe and some other kind of Western cultures, we keep trying to make church safe. We keep trying to make church, you know, easy and nice and comfortable. <laughs> I read an article this week, and it kind of, it was for a shock value, I get it. But the title of the article said, he's speaking to churches, he says, if you didn't stop until he found it, until he found the lamb. I love that thought, that God doesn't give up on anybody. Right? I mean, how cool is that? God doesn't give up on anybody. <laughs> he didn't stop until he found it. With exuberant joy, 
he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. I was reading something about a shepherd and sheep and all this this, this week. And, and do you know that a, that a sheep doesn't really want to be picked up and put on a shoulder? Like, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I have a golden retriever, you know, Wrigley, the one-year-old pup, and she loves to be with us, but Sydney, I don't know what my deal is, my, four, my 15-year-old, she loves, <laughs> she calls Wrigley, I don't know why, but she calls, him, calls her Baba Ganoush. <laughs> I don't really know where this came from. She just, maybe it's brown and Baba Ganoush is brown. I don't know, but she go, she'll go, Baba Ganoush, and she'll reach down and try to pick up Wrigley, you know? And of course, this one-year-old is like, okay, whatever, and there's paws and slobber and everything going everywhere, and she can only do it for like about two seconds, and then she's got to put it down, and Baba Ganoush runs off to somebody else, you know? But you know, the same is true with lambs. If you try to pick up a lamb... They're all over the place, you know. There's hooves and fur and whatever else. But do you know why the sheep, he was able to reach down and pick it up? Because the sheep was exhausted. Shepherds will say that if a lamb goes off a cliff, you know, looking for grass and falls down a few feet or something and is eating the grass, the shepherd will actually leave it there for a while until it becomes exhausted and, you know, just kind of spent, if you will. And then the shepherd will crawl down and grab it and haul it back up and put it on his shoulder and bring it back. And you know, that's the picture, isn't it, of so many people in our world. They act like they have it all together, but really, they're just exhausted. Trying to make ends meet and trying to make sense of this lostness and what are we here for and all that. And you can see the shepherd just reaching down and putting this on. And, and it's interesting, he doesn't come to the sheep and go, Oh, you stupid lamb. Made me leave all the mothers and come out here and get you. And, oh, I'm all dirty too. And, you know, I got mud on my sandals and, you know, whatever else. And there's wolves howling around. And now they're looking for both of us. You know, like he doesn't reprimand the sheep for being lost. He actually has what? What does it say? Exuberant joy, right? With exuberant joy, he raises it up and places it on his shoulders and carries it back with cheerful delight. Verse 6, it says, Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together and said, Let's have a party! Exclamation point. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Folks, we have got to get the heart of Christ on this, don't we? We've got to get the heart of the Father, the Good Shepherd, that says, Listen, lost people aren't a hindrance or a, you know, a problem to him. He doesn't view somebody lost. He doesn't view prostitutes and tax collectors and people that are, that are on drugs or alcohol or all these different things. He doesn't view them as, oh, man, would you get over here? Come on. Start going to church. Dress better. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, he wants to reach down and grab them and hug them. And, and so much so that it's not just acceptance. He actually wants to party, right? He actually has rejoicing and, and great joy over this, so much so that he says, listen, I want to introduce you to all my friends, <laughs> right? Let's have a party. All, hey, come, let's rejoice. Let's have this thing. <laughs> oh, man. And I don't know, again, maybe don't read too much into it, 
But he doesn't even mention the other 99 out in the open, open valley, right? Like, did he just leave them there and run home and go, hey, I found the lamb, and they have a big party? And then about two hours later, they go, hey, what about the rest of them? Oh, yeah, I'll go get them. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's so into the lost. He's so passionate about the lost sheep. So here's the, here's the challenge for us, right? Is that our heart? right? Because if that's the heart of Jesus, I'm pretty sure we should view people the same way, right? And sometimes I think the church gets it wrong. We're so concerned about us and our stuff and all this thing. What if we turned our focus outward and said, God, everything you do for me in my devotional life and my prayer and my reading of the Bible is actually intended for me to go and put sheep on my shoulder and bring them back in. Amen? So that's my challenge today. Lord, do that with me. Verse 7, as we conclude, Jesus continued. He says, are you with me? Say it with me. In the same way. (laughs) In the same way. There will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, come back home, and returns to the fold, more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. Wait, does that tell you the heart of the Father or what? I'm not saying he doesn't care about people in church, because he does. He cares about all of us. But he really wants people to be saved. I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the wrong things, don't we? Don't we? What's important to God? It says here that heaven rejoices and has a party, right? <laughs> you know, I've actually been in a church that almost had a church split over the decision of what color the carpet should be. I'm not kidding. We did. I don't get that. Because I'm pretty sure that's not the heart of God for that church, amen? Like, God isn't, he doesn't care what color the carpet is. Like, the, the angels in heaven aren't going, oh, dude, high five. Did you see the color of that carpet? Hallelujah. <laughs> like, like, they're not up high-fiving each other. Woohoo! Look at those chairs. Yeah, man, let's do this thing. <laughs> you know? When we picked the colors for Epicenter Church, they were like, oh, they are listening to the Holy Spirit so much. That is amazing down there. Mike, you're in the spirit, buddy. All right. You're like, okay, we look good. What are we doing? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Epicenter Church. What if our subline was Wayward Sheep Collection Center? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, what if that was our, our focus? Wow. So they're having a party in heaven over one lost sheep. I don't know how big heaven is, but... Imagine it's pretty big. Some of the details we get from Scripture, some of the other prophetic visions and stuff, this kind of thing. Sam and I, my son, were at a Bears game, Bears football game one day, and we're in the, we're in the, in the stadium, and it's, it's mostly full. Not all full, because it's the Bears, you know, but it was mostly full. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. It was mostly full. And a lot of people, a lot of excitement. And before the game, actually, take that back. It was halftime. At halftime, they were going to do an honoring 
of a vet, a military vet, who had served with distinction and actually was injured. And so they were, you know, they were going to honor this guy. And so here's all these people. And they blare this thing out and they say, this is, you know, Sergeant whatever from whatever. And he, and he, he starts to walk in through the tunnel into the stadium. And the place goes nuts. People are standing and they're cheering and they're just going, yeah, way to go, Sergeant. You know, and they're just so excited about this guy. And I had a little flash in my mind of, I wonder if that's a little bit what heaven is like, you know? When one lost sinner comes, does all of heaven go, yeah, George is here. Woo! We made it. Way to go, Epicenter Lost Sheep Collection Center. You know, like, way to go, you guys. We got one more in the stadium. Let's, this is amazing, right? And I just, I don't know angels that well. I don't know all about them, but I do know this. They're immense, and they're powerful, and they have glory and all that stuff. Can you imagine that party? <laughs> you think this worship was good. What about, you know, like, like, I'm sure there's just an amazing thing. And it says, it literally says in Hebrews that, that we are being watched by not only those who have gone before us, a great cloud of witnesses, but the angels themselves. I don't know. Anybody up for getting some parties in heaven going on? <laughs> Anybody up for that? I am. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we close? As we close, let me just read you some passages about a few scriptures to take with us as we go. In Matthew 18, 14, it's the synoptic gospel of Luke. It's another, it's a, it has similar stories. And so there's a, a story about this same parable that we read. And at the end of it, in verse 14, it says this, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Do you know that God isn't willing for even one lost lamb to not be brought back to the fold and be brought to him? Second Peter 3.9, some of you know this scripture. It says that God, the Lord, is not willing that any, say with me, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Luke 14, 23, and the master said, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. <laughs> Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 10, 2, and he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Anybody want to be a worker for the harvest? Lift your hands and close your eyes if you would. So, Father, we are your people. We thank you, God, that you turned the religious system upside down. Father, I thank you that, Jesus, you came to bring a revolution to the way things had been. And Father, I thank you that we get to be part of that revolution, that you have called us out of darkness into the light, that, Lord, you have gone out and, and, and pursued each and every one of us. And Father, I thank you today that you're still in the business of pursuing and going after those that were lost, those that are dirty, those that are confused, those that are living in darkness. And Lord, this morning with our hands up raised, we say we want to be a part of that recollection. We want to be a part of, of connecting people with you. We want to be a part of bringing people that were lost to become found. So Lord, I pray this week that you would give us a heart for that. That you would give us a, eyes to see people around us 
not as everything uh, hunky-dory and perfect, but, Father, you'd give us eyes to see people around us as you see them with love and compassion and sheep in need of being found. Use us, I pray, this week. In Jesus' name. If that's your prayer, say amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Let's do it. And uh, invite to Danny Sook. Bring some people with you. It's a great opportunity. Amen. Go and be blessed.